0: button there live live again live again yeah corn hit the corn hit record yeah i reckon it's uh i reckon it's time to get to work boys welcome back to the 307 podcast i'm glad you guys decided to show up this morning uh i was running a little late this morning i want to go ahead and apologize to you guys for running late but the police decided to pull me over for running a red light.
1: Well, that's all right, man. And We're I, patient.
0: I did get a ticket, but I did not get a a citation. Is what he called it. He didn't even call it a ticket. He called it a citation. What's the difference between a citation and a ticket? Nothing. They're the same. It's, it's the same thing. Yep. Well, same he name. gave me a citation, and then but but for running a red light. But he didn't get me for my expired tax. So. Well, they ain't expired. Yeah, yeah, they are. Really? Yeah, they're expired. He told me they were expired, but he didn't write me a citation for it, so... You gonna pay it? Mr. Policeman, I thank you for not giving me that ticket for my expired tag. I know you don't give a crap, and I know you know you're enforcing laws that are unconstitutional. And I know you know that you're forcing laws that you shouldn't be forcing on free... Fellow citizens of your country, but good job anyways. what's up, chill we? You grew that mustache over the week. It's been a hard life <laughs> I um is that but it, isn't that out of grooming standards for the pope? No no, no because I thought the pope well, you're mistaken. Oh, you che- so, you rewrote the
1: grooming standards. I have to. Um, I have to. I have a confession. <clears throat> well, talk to the
0: priest over there.
1: <laughs> talk to the priest over there, son. Well, I mean, look, I have a confession, and I think it's only right to let the public know that, um, you know, I've had a hard time growing uh growing facial hair because I've got low T. You know, that's no secret.
0: You hadn't had a hard time growing tits though. <laughs>
1: On. Always gotta make it filthy. <laughs> <Dead on.
0: laughs> Last week there's something wrong with his wrist. And now he's going tit. Uh. Uh.
1: Anywho, um, that's no secret that I've had low tea. I mean, inf- <laughs> Hold on here. There you go. Any anyway, um actually no tea, not low tea. You've got low tea, I've got no tea. But um <sighs> I got tired of it. And so I went to my doc and I said, I said, hey, doc, what can I do about this? And he put me on a regimen of testosterone. So I, uh, I bumped that those levels up to 2000 nanograms per deciliter. And, uh, <laughs> uh and, um, I also asked him, can I take anything to complement this? You know, it didn't sound sexy enough to me. Just testosterone. Yeah. So I started. Um, I don't want to give out my whole stack here because you know I don't. I don't recommend this to anybody. Right. You know, don't do do this at your own risk. I don't. You should not do what I do. Seek a medical <laughs> professional? professional. Yes. Yeah. This is not medical advice. But um, I started taking um, um, Anavar, D ball.
0: It's good stuff. Deca and uh, Trin. What about Winstraw? Nah, I'm not really fooling with that. You're not going for the lean look?
1: Yeah, that's what Trin's doing for me. I didn't want to. If you hit it too hard, you know, on your <laughs> on your first cycle, then, I mean, you know, that's when you can run into trouble. So I'm doing something real sensible.
0: Okay. That sounds like a pretty good supplement. Uh Program you got going on there, man. Well, it's working so far. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that mustache came in thick. Yeah. <laughs> thick and quick. Yeah. So you must be doing something right. Yeah. Well, you know, man, I'm proud of you for trying to get your testosterone levels up. I've been concerned about you for years now. You know, you have zero drive. Right. Um, You're really poor looking and yep. pale. Right. Right. You stay sick all the time, which, as a matter of fact, thank you for spreading your sickness through the entire team here. Uh, I appreciate that. Well, um, and so I'm hoping, you know, I, I was I was wondering, like, at what point you were going to come in and 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 claim homosexuality or something. Look, man, we but, don't joke about that on the podcast. Because you, you know, come on, no, that's because. That's too far you start you, going you, filthy again. You were just going all the way downhill, so I'm glad you're, you got your supplements. Uh, hopefully you'll start acting like a man now. Well, even though you didn't <clears throat> you didn't do that in, at TNPT this morning
1: what What do you mean? You didn't even do the workout. I saw you Well, that's you know the, the, that was that was our fitness, you know, I call it my fitness. It's not CrossFit, it's my
0: fit. You'd and, argue uh, that he didn't either, wouldn't uh, you? Well, I would
1: argue it's exactly what I was getting to. I mean, I did RX minus and, y- you know, there's RX and RX plus. I did RX minus and you did, I don't know, you just, you didn't even do the weights that you were supposed to do. I did the workout. You just decided, well, I did too.
0: Whatever, dude. Well, I certainly did. You just, dude, I'm paying for you to be there and you just make a mockery of it. Yeah. I'm paying for you to be there, and you make a mockery of it. I mean, well, you might as well, next time we do Team PT, why don't you just walk up in the dang gym there and just slap me in the freaking face, man. Well, Just slap me in my face, dude. Well, CrossFit is pretty much a disgrace. Well, Pope Chili, you're lucky you have the authority. Because if you didn't... (laughs) You don't find CrossFit to be a disgrace? No, man. Well, you do your own
1: thing every time you go in there. So does Blake. So does everybody.
0: No, that's not true. You used the word every, and today I did what it prescribed to do. Well, I did Rx minus. That means not every time. Well.
1: Well, the Pope deems CrossFit to be a disgrace. Only to be made a mockery. That's of. something
0: Chris Gaines would do, ain't it?
2: CrossFit, yeah, it is. <laughs> Loose <laughs> on the right side again, there, Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, priest.
0: <laughs> well, guys, welcome back to the Three Seven Podcast. What's this podcast titled? Oh, whatever you told me, um, what'd you title it? Disband the military. Disbanding the military. Wow, we're gonna talk about disbanding the. Military today. I'm going to tell y'all about that here in just a little bit. See, I've been... I'm actually rolling out my policies on truck talks. Now, I'm in that oh. phase now. I'm rolling out my policies.
1: So you're running for something.
0: Yeah. This this The last one that I did, I talked about returning power back to the states and actually reestablishing state sovereignty. So... That's on the top of my agenda. Second thing on my agenda, though, is disbanding the military. And we're going to talk about why and and how and all that stuff later on in the episode. But right now, I've got to tell y'all, this episode's brought to you by our partners at Barbell Apparel. If you hadn't tried a pair of Barbell's jeans, well, you're just missing out. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So I got, here's their jeans right here. This is the straight leg athletic. Blake, you like the boot cut, don't you? No, I like the relaxed. Fit. Relaxed fit. It's kind of in between boot cut and straight. <laughs> and this is they that they just released this 2.0 version. What? This that was this year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think so. it was this year. Yeah. yeah. And so they made a they were already awesome and they made a bunch of upgrades that made them even awesomer. So the athletic fit jeans are built to handle whatever your day demands. They're actually daggone tough. They're good. They're a good blend of durability and comfort. Now I'm speaking off the cuff here. This is the combination of over seven years of research and improvement. These jeans are made to perform in perfect sync with your body. With new reinforcements, cutting edge, stretch denim, that's what one of the things that makes these things so comfortable is the fact that the denim actually has some stretch to it, and it allows you to squat down without binding your your uh, loins up. All right? And the flawless fit, these are the most performance-ready jeans ever made. I would agree with that. So, well, you know, something we don't hit much, they say all that, and a lot of people say all that, but they actually back it up. And, you know, they got that guarantee where if you – Rip them, put a hole <coughs> in them, bust a seam, whatever. Then they'll give you a new, give you back a whole new, brand new pair. Isn't that like for a year? I, th- I think it's a year. I think it's longer than that. But I th- No, I think it's a one-year guarantee. I think it's a 365 days. Isn't that how many days is in a year? It's <sighs> pretty what, close. Non-leap year. Okay. So, man, it's jean season. Go get you a pair of jeans. Barbellapparel.com. And if you don't wear jeans, get you a pair of Ranger shorts. Mm-hmm. Get, you, get you an ultralight tech tee. They got everything that you need to outfit your daggone closet. If you're walking around looking like a straight-up turd all the time, get you some decent clothes, all right? You know, every now and then it matters that you look good doing what you do. That's why Chili and I, we're actually going to go out and get us some handmade bespoke suits tailor-made for us here pretty soon.
1: Oh, I'm excited about that. So, if
0: any of you guys have a recommendation on where to get a tailor-made suit, please put it in the comments of this video. I'm looking for an all-white. Okay, well, we can we can do that. We'll find somebody to make you an all-white one. I mean, Chad's going to get a red one. All right. But, look, it just go get you some of this barbell stuff. You're going to like it. All right? Thank you, barbell, for supporting 307 Project. Yep good people well we had we had kind of two separate adventures this weekend man the team split up yeah what the heck and went to opposite ends i want to hear about y'all's adventure (laughs) well i've been purposely not asking questions about it because i wanted to hear about it today
1: well where would you like to start um Blake um kind of put this whole thing together and um he really just tried to aggravate us the whole time. That's uh Oh, uh, that's the kind of mood he was in. <laughs> yep. Yep, he tried to make true. he tried to make mine and Corns life very hard. That ain't true. So where would you like to start with the story here, Blake?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we just tell it like it is, you know. We Oh yeah, I will. Yeah. We went down by uh my good buddy Paul Wilder. This was his uh His second 100-miler attempt, he had Uh done another one and Uh some things didn't go right. So he did this other one, him and his son, Caleb, and John Hogue went out to help him. And so uh, I wasn't, I mean, for the longest, I wasn't planning on going down there. And then I thought, well, we don't have nothing going this weekend and – or – our leader Chad, he's gonna be out of town, yep. so I thought. Now look, now look, let's let's make this story interesting, okay? So, <laughs> so let, let's, let's go on down yeah. there and uh, and support Paul. You know, I'd like to be able to be there for him. So, so yeah, we went down there, and uh, I mean, there's plenty of stories to tell. Well, well, that's what I wanted to hear. I didn't so, want to hear anything that you just said. I well, I'll
1: start. Well, I'm with not the... telling
0: you this story because you already know all of that. I'm telling the listeners. <laughs> well, this just story. to
1: go chronologically, we stopped down in. Um, Core Georgia, and uh, I had me a Sprite. That was the first big event of the. Uh...
0: Yeah, these two juggers was sick What's wrong as a with dog. You, Chad? They was snorting and man. snorting and hacking and sneezing uh, all over the. Yeah, corn. that's where I'm
2: at today, Bubba. Don't don't forget about the eye watering.
0: Yeah, corn was crying well, the, the whole way down. The there. Roof, oh, I hate it when my the eyes roof of water. his mouth collapsed as well.
2: well, <laughs> well yeah, I, I blew it out. Not got the up. not the hard part, but that soft part in the back. Or mm. blue so hard he looked like a grouper you had reeled
0: up from four hundred <laughs> feet down in the depth this big old balloon coming out of his
2: mouth. Busted my bladder, son. <clears throat> Dang. Yeah,
0: so after Cordial,
1: I had me a sprite and we uh we went down made it all the way to Jacksonville and uh got us got us a hotel in Duval County. Duval. 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 but anyway, um, that was a nice hotel. I thought
2: it was nice. I'm, I'm not as well traveled as y'all, <laughs> and when we got off in downtown, uh-huh. I was like, oh, I don't know about the downtown, son. I but ain't never stayed like in the downtown.
0: <laughs> we pulled up and Corn said, It's like you know high rise hotel kind of thing with a parking deck." And Corn said, "I don't know, this place is too fancy. We ain't staying here tonight." He was looking for that quality in, wasn't we, he? We ended up staying there. We got up to the room, <coughs> and Corn said, Dad, blast, I forgot my sleeping britches. <laughs> and I said, dang. He went in there, he said, Dad, blast, forgot my toothbrush. <laughs> I said, dang. Then he got up the next morning, he's going to take a shower. He said, there's a ring of dirt in the in the tub there, and he forgot his shower shoes, so... He didn't bring anything. He had this big old backpack,
2: and I don't even know what he had in there. But he didn't have nothing in there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't take a shower in a dirty tub. You will get ring. Lights. They had a
0: dirty tub
2: oh, at the they hotel. It was a ring, and this was the Hilton, son. They'd leave it to Chile to pick the oh,
0: person. Be upset like that. about that. Well, come on, what the crap, man? <laughs> well, look, I want to. What back, city was this?
1: Jackson Duval. Okay, Jacksonville. I okay. want to. Um, Back up a little bit, because you, head of security, almost got into a fracas. Oh,
2: yeah. I believe somebody was trying to jump on Chili mm. out in the parking lot. There was yeah. all kinds of, I mean, it wasn't extreme, but yelling and whatnot. And as I was coming out the car, Blake looked in the mirror and said, no, nah, it's just be other people out there. Corn was half draw, door pop. That's good. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. He said, somebody
0: messing with Chili. <laughs> Yeah, but but anyway,
1: uh, when we left the next morning, got a pretty decent breakfast. Did what we could do. I mean,
2: Uh, corn of of course. He said, "Oh, there's a Porsche here at this restaurant. We ain't eating here." (laughs) Uh, Y'all gonna have to give me some grace on this traveling. I'm serious. (laughs) You'll get used to it. Yeah, but you know, we kind of got into the race
0: there, and um, we met Paul and them. And shortly thereafter, Paul went to blowing chunks. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. I mean. When you watch somebody throw up at a mile, what was it, 40, 30? Yeah, yeah, somewhere right there. You just hope they're going to rebound
0: because that's rough. Well, I mean, did you not think Paul was going to throw up? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of course Paul was going to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: well, it got pretty hot down there, and he was drinking that Coke and uh, eating that meat sticks. (laughs) Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, he threw up, but That's a bad uh, recipe, regardless. Yeah, but no, nah, he rebounded well right after it. So, yeah, he did. Um, but then what happened? Um, I'm trying to think what happened after that. Was the next thing when we went to get the pizza?
2: No, that was of the night. Okay, yeah, that, that was, was, was of the evening. <clears throat> yeah.
0: The next yeah. one was at that Publix parking lot in the daytime. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He looked good there. Yeah,
0: there wasn't. That was a high for him. And, um, that probably the next notable story is, you know, before y'all went and, or when y'all went and got that pizza. Yeah. Yeah. And that's well, when so, I started. I ran a, a leg with him.
1: About mile 65, something in there. 70, 60, 70 I don't know. Um, Blake decided he was going to run a 13 mile leg with him. And, oh, uh, gosh. <laughs> and, uh, so you know they come in and we t- he tears off with them and uh, I decide I tell Corn I'm like man we better go get something to eat you know let's get us some pizza or something just across the road here it was real late
2: and um, what city were you in oh that St Augustine
1: I think we were past that south of that now maybe uh starts with a F Flagler yeah Flagler Beach
2: St Augustine
0: and Flagler something
1: like that and so there was a pizza place right across from the Publix and I thought it looked good enough I was just like we just got to get something let's just walk over here and get it so they're gone we're just by ourselves and uh we go in this pizza place and it's it's fine you know we we order sit down at this bar it's just a normal little it's loud but it is normal normal setting and uh Corn will you tell the story (laughs)
2: I just love the way you tell it. There's like three different stories in that. First off, when we went to cross the road, did you notice that? Them marshals, dude. Oh, they're they're tight. For real. Like me and Chili standing, we're walking to the pizza house. So we're standing like in the driveway to this bank that's for sale or whatever. And he's like, y'all got to get on the sidewalk. You're (laughs) going to get run over. So anyhow, we get over at the pizza house and, and order the pizza. And me and Chili's just sitting at this Little makeshift counter waiting on the pizza and uh, talking, yep. looking on our phones. And Santa Claus walks in and he goes over there and he orders the dang, his pizza or whatever. And just out of the blue, and I wish I could do his mannerisms of his face, I can't. Out of the blue, Chili spins his stool around real quick, leans his head back. Holy crow! It's Santa Claus. The whole place just people's lifting up forks er, stopping at their mouths way around and look at him. Santa Claus sorta of looks at Chili, you know, and smiles, goes back to doing his thing. Work cutting up, laughing. About twenty seconds later he does it, spins around. There he is, Santa Claus. The whole place stops again. Well, <laughs> about 10 minutes later they got us We're sitting there laughing cutting up about that And all of a sudden the lights In this entire joint go out It's like somebody cut the power Huh And when it happened oh, uh, What was the in the club by 50 cents 50 cents Popping bottles of yop, dub yop, yop, yop. Yop. Go shawty
1: club. It's your birthday it's I, going to party I mean the place like turned
2: Not that I've ever darkened the door but it turned almost into a strip club in a snap of a finger. And sparklers and children, going off. Sparklers going off. Yeah, I'll be in <laughs> a club. <laughs> come and give me a hug. I was waiting for somebody to jump up on the bar right yonder. Bottle full of bugs. And uh, it was somebody's birthday. That's all it was. I mean, freaked both of us out. They just, I mean, turned the place into a dang downtown club in like fifteen seconds. Yeah, I was about ready and to get out of there. Did then. it stay that way? No, it lasted about 15 seconds, didn't it? But really? it seemed like, a dang, like we was in there for an hour. Huh. And, and looking back on it, and I think it's manifested in Chili's head, too, I was expecting somebody to jump on that bar uh-huh. so strongly that sometimes when I think about it, somebody actually did jump on the but bar. But they didn't, did they? But they didn't.
1: Yeah. Sure didn't. I've remembered that, too, but I think that's a false memory.
2: Yeah. But then I learned we got the pizza. We, we crossed the road, and that's when I learned about Chili's celebrity status. When we got to that parking lot, everybody started noticing Chili. We was standing there talking to a guy, talking to him. He wanted to take a picture and whatnot. Moved on over. Some other people noticed Chili. Then somebody in the in the corner over there hollered, Chili, corn! And I'm like waving at him. and then somebody was, bus- oh, is that... Well, somebody first asked Chili if his brother was running this race. So I think he might have thought Chili was Blake or a split well, that, second. That happens all the time. <laughs> and then the people beside them people, so like in a matter of ten minutes, there was like five people that noticed Chili. And, of course, we stood there in the parking lot while we ate our pizza and uh, <laughs> talked to them.
0: Yeah, he's well known. Yep. We saw old, uh, what I don't I can't remember Zach's last name. He was on an early basic course. He was actually on John's basic course, John Hogue, and we saw them down there. And Chili got to talking to his dad, and uh, and I
1: without knowing that that was
0: yeah yeah. But then later on that same age session, y'all got to talking basketball. Yeah, and I went ahead and let his dad know that you was the connoisseur of basketball. Yeah, and he said, "Well, of all sports, yeah." And he said, well, you know, what do you think? Of, what team did he say? What do you think about Cincinnati? Cincinnati. And, they lost that night, by the way. And Chili said, "Ah, oh, they ain't no good. And Cincinnati that, Jets? Yep. <laughs> and that guy said, well, they beat Georgia Tech by such and such. And Chili said, they ain't no good either. And he said, uh, well, they beat Duke by – and Chili said, well, Duke ain't no good either. Ain't none of them teams no good. And that guy said,
1: huh.
0: All right. <laughs> Just shut that conversation right on down. Well, I sure did. Guess huh.
1: what? He was talking to me about how Cincinnati was going to win that night, and they lost.
2: <laughs> about that? meeting them, who you was talking about, Blake, when we first met him, reminded me of when that big travel van, Dooley travel van was stuck oh, yeah. in the sound, about buried to the frame. Yeah, they just act like. And it, them dudes had like no urgency at all. To, like yep. they got four or five people helping them trying to get it unstuck, and they was like putting in no effort. Yeah, some crew running
1: the race just stuck their van and didn't even care. Yeah,
0: hmm.
2: blocking all Strange. kinds of folks in, whatnot.
0: Well, look, man, Florida's a weird place. When you go to Florida, weird crap happens. Oh, it was great. Uh, it, I don't it, know why really, I don't live. It really there. is a weird place. I mean,
1: I can't figure out why I don't live there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would I would like to buy property in Florida myself. Yeah. Well, look, if you get out and do anything, Chili said it. Uh, if you want to make stories, all you got to do is leave the house. Oh, wow. I mean, just weird <laughs> crap happens anyway. Well, especially in Florida. <laughs> especially in Florida. I'm telling you, man, it's it's a strange place for sure.
1: Well, you know, I don't want to drag on these stories too long, but <clears throat> the, right after this, deep into the night, we're sleeping in a TGI Friday's parking lot. Then we get up and move to another little parking lot that's just kind of like one of these beach pull-off type things. And, uh, you know, speaking of the law getting after you, the fuzz, I'm uh, laying outside of the vehicle.
0: This derelict parking lot. Yeah,
1: in a derelict parking lot. Blake and Corner sleeping in the seats with reclined seats, and I just put my ground pad down on the ground.
0: Like old vagabond.
1: And I'm just, you know, laying there. And all of a sudden... The fuzz rolls up, and they asked me, what did they ask now? What did they ask now? I don't want to misquote them. It's a little filthy.
2: Tell them, corn. She said, what are you doodling? Huh. Yeah. Turn the big side light on. Yep. Blind everybody. Oh, well, us in the corner. What are you right doodling? So, what are you doodling? And
1: I just leaned up because I was trying to go to sleep, and I said, what now? It <laughs> made Chili so mad. <laughs> it would have made me mad, too. And she said, I think she said it again. Yeah. What are you yeah. doodling? And I said, y'all know about this race? She said, yeah. And I said, well, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we uh, we got a runner here. <laughs> yeah. And she said, all right, then. We were just making sure nothing was going on. And about that time, I don't really know when this was, but Corn just leaned. He's leaned there half asleep. He'd been snoring. He goes, what does it matter? <laughs> And uh <laughs> hold on. And uh and they just I think they said something else, whatever, and then they just roll on. Yeah, man, they're just being nosy, man.
0: That's rough, man. Come on. Yeah, you I know mean what? clearly he's he's not a just some homeless person sleeping next to a car. We, like, we wasn't
2: you, the only car in the in the parking lot. It was no. like a beach access parking lot. Yeah, and every other nosy. car in there. Was had runners. Well, All what the they cars did? I mean, got they, numbers they came
1: and accused me of being lewd or something.
2: I, when she asked that, I, I pictured. This is what I I said: Chili sitting up Indian style, like a little kid, and he's got <sighs> a stick, and he's drawing something in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked in the mirror right there, the rearview mirror, and I was like, "No, he's laying down." I was. Sleep. Why did she ask him? Was he doodling? I was prone. She was being just silly. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then well, we need to the, get
0: rid of these police, man. Oh, man. Oh, they Gustavo. <laughs> what was, was that ocean
2: com- doing, Comedian? Oh, that ocean was I'm um, popping that ravine. Slap, when we was slap, driving slap to that, that, the Grim off, on that lake, son. <laughs> <laughs> I had never been in that country. <laughs> <So we're>, Corn <laughs> ain't never been to no ocean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he he said, "That's the biggest lake I've ever seen."
1: <laughs> he looked over me. and He said, "You hear that ocean slapping that ravine?" <laughs> I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "You can't hear that. It's smacking that roof." Well, were y'all in the Atlantic?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yep.
1: we're right down the, you know, right down the coast.
2: A one a son,
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: probably twenty feet from the water.
2: Yeah, y'all like Florida, man. What's
0: that? daggone going drink you drinking, man? Huh? What is that drink you talking around this morning? That's water. What What is up with that bottle? That's my bottle. Is it what is that, SpongeBob? Yeah. What is it did it, did water come in it? Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. Well, you need to get out more. Did you get that in Florida? Uh uh-uh. uh. Huh. Yeah, Blake, we need to move. I think I think we should really consider moving operations down to Florida. Yeah. Good place to raise cows. Yeah, it is. Hunt turkey. A lot of weird people like us. Turkey hunting's good. Yep. No state taxes. Yep. Deer hunting
2: ain't no good. Yeah, they ain't got no deer hunting.
0: No, they, I think they have a <laughs> lot of deer, but no big deer. They're all little deer. That's all right. They got a lot of hogs though. You know their bear population is exploding. <sighs> yeah, I've heard that. South Georgia and Florida. Can
1: black panthers down there?
0: Yeah, we might do that. If y'all got, if somebody has some land for sale in Florida, drop it in the comments on this episode. All right. Let me know what y'all got down in Florida. Let us know about your suit. Suit, Taylor. Uh Yeah. Tailored suit. And let us know about your land in Florida. Yeah.
1: But before we move on to Chad's story from his weekend, I do want to say this. We just talked all of our stories. But Paul, Caleb, and John all did really well. Yeah. I mean, it was was super fun to watch them do that. I mean, John helped pace them like a consummate professional. Uh, Paul hung in there, battled the, you know, Stomach problems and, and everything. And really...
0: And Gadwall had that bum knee for the longest. Yeah,
1: and, I mean, no problem. He always looked the exact same every time you saw him. Yep. Just calm. I don't think his heart rate ever got above 80. So, <laughs> they all did really, really well. Broke 24 hours. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yes. it was impressive. So, I had never been around a race like that. I mean, I was definitely impressed with what they were doing. And it was broke up in, you know, where we met them in Legs. And uh, I knew they was putting in some work, but what really put it in perspective for me is driving home when we left from the finish line and got on the interstate. And I saw how long it took us driving 70 to 80 miles an hour to get to the exit where I remembered meeting them. Mm -hmm. Each time, it it was even more impressive because I was like, holy smokes. (laughs) And then from the very first place we was at, how long it took, I was like, man. Uh, that that was awesome that they did that, yeah, yeah, you know,
0: I think because um
2: because the whole idea
0: of running a hundred miles has become somewhat mainstream, I think people have people look at it and that have never done it before, and because they've seen and know people that do it, and they see people on. You know YouTube and Instagram that do these hundred mile races and stuff. They 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 don't respect it the way they should respect it. it. Is it it is daggone rough, rough. That's a long ways to run, man. And I just feel like people take it lightly, and they go and and they sign up for these. They sign up for a hundred mile race. And then they don't end up making it, and it's because they they see other people doing it, and they think, well, if somebody else can do it, I can do it. Well, that's true, but the people that actually finish these things have either been doing it for a long time, or if they're new, and maybe this is the first one they finished, they didn't finish it on accident. Yeah. You ain't going to finish one of these dang things on accident, and... Yeah, people don't respect it. People don't respect what it actually is and how and how much effort it takes. How much effort you have to put in to to even finish one. And then to finish to finish one well <clears throat> takes not only effort but experience. Well, and you
1: can tell how many people disrespect it by the very few that that do try it. It seems like more and more now Go out and try it, and they're disrespecting it, and you see how it turns out.
0: You know how many people finished the race that we that I ran this weekend? Uh huh. Thirty five people. Out of how many starters? Um, seventy something. Yeah, I mean, thirty five people finished. Yep. Yep, and that's just because people just they see this crap on Instagram, and they they hear people talking about it, and they say, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go do that. Can't can't be that hard." No, it is so hard that what what, get, what really slaps people in the face is when it transitions into that, that time when it's not fun anymore. <laughs> That's what slaps them in the face. That's where they quit because they're thinking, well, I'm doing this for fun, right? I'm supposed to be out here having fun. But then when they hit that point where they're like, holy crap, This is not fun anymore. Like, I don't want to be here. That's when they quit for the most part. So, yeah, 35 people out of 70 something runners finished the race that we ran. So, that's a legit race, isn't it? Yeah, it was a legit mountain, mountain race. Fairly new. Yeah, I think it's been around for five, six years, something like that. But, um, But, yeah, I went – now, I actually – so, I actually ran a 100-mile race this weekend. You know, (laughs) because that's what I do. I run. You know, this is the second 100-miler I've ran this year. Um, Yeah. And it was a good race. I did the Beast of the East, which is just outside of Charlotte. In, in Crowder's Mountain hmm. Park or something like that. I don't know if it's a state park or what. But it was a true mountainous ultra marathon. Had almost 20,000 feet of climbing. Extremely technical terrain. Uh, really, really difficult weather. It rained pretty much... of the time, I would say it was raining, but especially, I remember about 3 a.m. on Sunday morning, a big lightning bolt struck, and a big boom of thunder out of nowhere. And about 30 minutes later, it came the hardest frog-strangling rain that I have ever ran through in my life. It, was, it, was, it rained so hard for about an hour and a half that the sheets of rain were so dense that you could not see anything in front of you. You could see the ground right at your feet, and that was it. Because your headlamp was reflecting on these, this just massive sheet of rain. And you just couldn't see anything. The, the trails turn into literal rivers. And um, I freaking loved it, man. I mean, the closest thing that I have ran through in terms of weather would have been the the storm that hit on my first 100-miler, which was the Cruel Jewel. We had a bad storm hit that the first night of that race. And <clears throat> I'm going to tell you what, man. You out there at four three four a m you've been running for eighteen plus hours, and this daggone storm hits, and you gotta keep running through it. It'll make you harder than woodpecker lips, son. that's when most people quit that race oh, was I'm when sure. that storm hit, yeah, that's when <clears> most <throat> people quit uh so. Weather was nasty, terrain was nasty, it was all good. I ran with my friend Bean. You guys probably heard Bean on the podcast a few episodes ago, and he did this race as a charity event to raise money for a cancer patient to seek alternative care. You guys heard all about it on the podcast, and Bean got it done. Congratulations, Bean. Outstanding job. Him and I ran together the whole way and um, got it done with an hour to spare. Now, a couple of lessons that I want to share with you guys that were just kind of reinforced in my mind during this event. <clears throat> One is the fact that what you are doing right now is determining your future. In other words, what you are doing today is determining what the end of your story is going to be. And I think we really lose sight of that. I really do. I think I think when we get into just the day-to-day grind of life, right? We find ourselves in the position where the way that we're living is just that we're just going through the motions of life, right? And we don't reflect upon the actual truth, That what we do today, or what we do each day, is actually determining the outcome of our future. We are writing our story. What's the end end of your story going to be? Well, you're writing it every single day. But we, we lose perspective on that. We just go through the motions, man. We just freaking dilly-dally until we get to the end, and the end of our story isn't what we wanted it to be. And then guess what? You're freaking screwed. You're screwed. The reason I say this is because that's the way this race went. My buddy Bean, I wish I had him here today. My buddy Bean just thought he was going to go out there and just you know, kind of hike this thing. It's kind of, you know, it was going to be hard. But it wasn't going to be that hard. You know, it was going to be fun. Which it is fun. I mean, I, I had that. I had that thought many times out there. There ain't nothing better than this. I'm out here in a new place, running through the woods, just grinding. There ain't nothing better. That's why I love, I mean, I love it. I love trail running. But, uh... We got to about mile 60, and, you know, I was just kind of letting Bean do his thing. I'm running with him, right? He's not running with me. I'm running with him. So I'm just letting him do his thing, and I kind of drop a few hints every now and then, like, hey, man, we got to move with a purpose here. Like, this ain't the pace. This ain't the pace. But nonetheless, just let him do what he's doing, you know? We get to about mile 60. I come into the aid station. Bean does his thing, he rolls out. And I talked to the guy who's crewing Bean and I, Brooks. And I've been doing numbers in my head and I'm like, this ain't adding up. Like we 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 ain't gonna finish this thing. So I talked to Brooks, I'm like, "Hey man, are are my numbers right?" And he's like, "Yeah, your numbers are right. Y'all ain't gonna finish this thing." At if you Not you're not going to finish this thing if you just even if you're able to maintain the pace that you've been running for the last 60 miles. Even if you're able to maintain that pace, you're still not going to finish. Well, that's a big problem because usually after about 60 or 70 miles, the runner slows down. So even if we kept that pace, we weren't going to finish. So here we're faced with this big problem, and I told Bean straight up, I'm like, look man, here's the reality, we've been dilly-dallying along, having fun, going through the motions, right, for the last 60 miles, well now that's put us in a position where the end of this story is. Ain't going to be what we want it to be. And you're going to have to make a decision to go into the no fun zone. Like right now, you're going to have to make a decision and everything that you do from this point forward is going to determine what your story is going to be. Are you going to go home at the end of this event, and tell everybody, ah, I just didn't make it, man. I, just didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't able to finish. Or is your story going to be, we got it done. We did the thing that we set out to do, right? But if we would have operated that way from the very beginning, <clears throat> taking into consideration the things that we're doing right now are impacting our future, If we would have started in that mindset, we would have had the proper sense of urgency. We would have done the things in the beginning that we needed to do to write the story that we wanted to write and be able to tell. If we would have started that in the beginning, it wouldn't have been so freaking ugly in the end. And a lot of you guys that are just going through the motions in life, and you're at mile 60. You're in your freaking 40s, man. You're at mile 60, right? And you've been going through the motions, man. You've just been making your paycheck. You've just been doing whatever for the last 40 years. I want you to understand that if you want your legacy If you want your story to be something special, if you want it to be what you want it to be, you are going to have to work extremely freaking hard for the next 30 miles. Or if we're putting it in terms of years, 20 to 30 years. But if you wouldn't have wasted all that freaking time, If you wouldn't have wasted the first 60 miles, the first 40 years just dilly-dallying, just going through the freaking motions, it wouldn't be this hard for you right now. But guess what? You don't have any choice right now because the things that you've been doing have got you to the place you are today and now you have two choices. Your story at the end can either freaking suck and that can be the way that everyone remembers you Or you can accept the reality because you've wasted so much time that you're going to have to step up to the plate and you're going to have to work freaking harder than anyone and everyone else that you know to produce the outcome that you want to get out of this life. And that's what we had to do. And this joker suffered greatly. For 40, for 40 miles. He suffered greatly. I mean, this joker was hurting bad. But it didn't have to be that way. And for the rest of you guys that are young and girls that are young and you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, I want you to take into consideration that what you're doing right now is determining your freaking future right now in your 20s, actually your late teens. It's determining your future. Whether you you acknowledge it, whether you know it, whether you like it or not, what you are doing right now as a 20-year-old man or woman is determining the outcome of your future. So assess yourself. And if what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is not putting you on the trajectory that you need to be on, then you need to change something now. Instead of waiting until you're in your late 40s, save yourself the pain, man. Save yourself the suffering. That was just a huge lesson that I saw play out. You can't you can't just waste time in your 20s and 30s. Because it's going to put you in a hard spot in your 40s, 50s and 60s where you're either going to lose or you're going to have to work really really hard to turn things around and to cross the finish line strong. And it's going to suck. So make your decision. And a lot of you guys just don't freaking care. A lot of you guys don't even care if you finish or not. A lot of you guys don't even care if you finish finish strong in life. A lot of you guys don't even care what people are going to think of you or say, or, or say about you after you mm-hmm. die. A lot of you guys don't even care what's the legacy what, that you're leaving behind for your children and your loved ones. What are you building that you can hand down to the people that you love and care for? A lot of you guys don't even freaking care. And for those of you guys that don't care, I want to tell you something right now. Please go somewhere else because I don't want you here. You are not the people, if you don't freaking care whether you finish the race or not, then don't be here. Because you're just dragging everything and everybody down. That's my lesson. Well, in that same vein, the other side of the spectrum, another um, warning that people need to consider is the young people that do really good in their, in high school or you know up in through their twenties, and then they just slack off. And they coast till they run out of steam, and before they know it, they're in their fifties, and they ain't done nothing since they was twenty years old. And you see that it look at the look at the kids that you went to high school with, who were the popular ones who were doing all this. Half of them ain't doing nothing now because yeah, they have all this steam built up, and then they just let off. It, to it starts s- to yeah, I mean, it starts to matter in your twenties, in my opinion it starts to matter in your 20s. Um because yeah, I mean in in my my teens, I had no concept of 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 like creating any I had no concept of what even a good life looked like or any of that, but What's gotten me to here, what's gotten me to where I am today, is the culmination of what I did in my twenties and thirties. Yeah, you know, so that's really where it starts to matter. But the good news is, as I've already discussed, the good news is, is that if you're at mile sixty, it's not too late. Because I saw it happen this weekend, but I'm just being up front with you. It's going to be painful, but it's not too late, and that's the good news. That was the good news for us at this race this weekend. At mile 60, we can actually really hunker down and get to work, and we can still create the ending of the story that we wanted to achieve. So maybe some of y'all needed to hear that good news. Maybe some of y'all gave up because you thought it was too late to start. It ain't too freaking late to start. Corn, you're a perfect example of that. Oh, absolutely. You're in your late 40s now. Yeah. He just started getting after it in the gym in his late 40s, man, to change everything about his – Physical, fitness, and strength.
2: Intentionally. I'd say I'm definitely at mile 60 when it comes to that, especially. Physical. Yeah, Yeah. physically. So, you know, thinking back in the 20s and my 30s, looking at things differently and then also, you know, being an alcoholic at that time. But nonetheless, looking at the way I feel a lot of men – were raised in the south in my generation working was the biggest part of your life your employment so doing the best you can at that and working hard was the top priority but once that becomes easy and you start letting the respect of your peers feed your ego that's that's when you're just so comfortable that, hey, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I'm at the pinnacle. I'm the best operator in this whole part of the country. You know, I can do anything and everything. Man, you had the conversation before. It was never a mindset of, hey, I need to be working out. I need to be taking care of my body. That never, I'm telling you, in that industry, the construction industry, it never crosses very few people's minds. I know. I mean, I, I was in it for the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. The only the only employment, the only career that I was in that it did cross minds when I was a police officer. But in, Now, there are some guys out there in the construction field that get up and go out and work out in the morning before they come. To, but those are few and far between in our area anyhow. So it never crossed my mind. So I floated all the way through. And it never really clicked in my head until I went to the basic course. And I've known you and Blake all your life. Listened to your podcast and listened to you talk and everything else way before that. And then when I went on the basic course and then went on the Proving Grounds, I was like, holy smokes. Like, it just started clicking. Dude, time is running out. You, yeah. you are about to be a, a pud. You're, you're about to be the dude sitting in the house at 60 years old. Because you can't do anything else. Yeah, you had this 20, 30 year where everyone respected you as this awesome worker. But what what else have you fed your family with? Mm-hmm. What, I mean, just food and a roof. That's it. Yeah. So I definitely relate to what you're saying 100%. 100%. And I'll, and I'll be the first to tell you, because my boys have watched me do the same thing, I can see where they're hitting those same marks. They're respected at work. They work hard at work. They're always at work. They don't miss any days. That was definitely relayed to them. Nothing of the, you know, you got to be spiritually, mentally, and physically fit. Nothing of that was passed down to them until here, you know, within the last two or three years. Yeah. It was just never a conversation. Never. Yeah. At all. And like I said, I I attribute, it's not an excuse. I feel it's reality. I attribute that to the way I was raised about having worth ethic was the most important thing. Yep. You had to provide for your family. Those <clears> are the <throat> things. And, you know, going to doing hard things. Well, the hard things in that type of environment and culture is the hot water heater busted. you got to fix it at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. There's no way in the world unless it was just something whacked out that I'm going to hire another man to do to one of my vehicles or to my house or go fix my mom's house. Or st- those were the hard things to do. You mm-hmm. do. You've worked a 12-hour shift. Now you got to go home and fix together or your mama's ha- roof's leaking. Mm-hmm. you got to fix that. You know what I mean? The alternator went out on your wife's car.
0: Yeah, that well and all of the and all of that's all of those are honorable things, right? Yeah. Those are all honorable things. And and I totally get what you're saying. Culturally, I I I totally understand that culture because I grew up in the same culture, yeah. well very similar culture, same place that that you are from. And those are all really honorable things. But I don't want people to think that that what I'm saying is 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 putting down the man who has worked his whole life, who has provided for his family and his extended family, his mother, his you know his his, his the people around him. He he's he's been that person, that provider, that is honorable. But what I'm telling you is. There is, there is more available. There is more available. We, because if you we should all do all the things that you're talking about doing. We should work hard. We should provide for our families. We should be skilled as men. And women, by the way. We should all do all of those things. <clears throat> But if but but the end of your story, the, I want the end of my story to be that I did all of those things, and I was physically fit. I was I was a strong person. I held myself well. I took care of myself, right? I want that to be part of my story. Uh, that I was a good servant of Christ. I want that to be a part of my story. that I went out of my way, to do extremely hard things to set the example for the men around me at a super, super high level. Like those, those are in a those are the additional things that I want to be the part the, the my story. I want that to be what's said about me in the end. You know? And so that takes a lot of freaking effort. And it takes double effort. If you decide that's what you want, like like me, takes double effort if you wait till you're halfway done with your life to start it. The the biggest blessing that I had not the big I don't I don't know if it's the biggest blessing. The best thing that I ever did in my life, the best decision I ever made was to join the military when I was nineteen years old. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. The second best thing that ever happened to me was when I got out of the military. Because I got what I needed to get out of it. And if I would have stayed in there another 10 years, I would have just been going through the motions. But I got out at the exact right time. But that started for me in my 20s that started the ball rolling, and thinking about there's more to this story than just being a hard worker. There's more to this story. That got the ball rolling for me, man. This may be too long of an answer, but
1: what what did you need to get out of the military that you oh, reference
2: so much, dude? It may be
1: too long of an answer, but yeah, I mean,
0: like what are you referencing when you say that? Um. A big one, a big one is I needed to see the example of a man who I could aspire to be. I needed to see, I needed to be around that. And when I joined the military, like, I remember the first time I ever met Frank Cutler. Frank Cutler showed me. A, diff, a a type of man with a story that i never imagined was possible i thought it was just in movies he showed me the example of a man who not only was a hard worker well traveled smart physically just hard as as a stone, mentally hard. He cared about people. He was there as my seal mentor, right? He was he was he was interested in pouring back into other people and training us and teaching us. And that was the first time that I saw a man who I was like that's a man. Like all the jobs I worked before that, all the men that I was like good men i was around good men they weren't terrible they 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 weren't terrible people but this was the first time i had seen this dude that was like holy crap he's got all that stuff plus and then you you leave there and you go through boot camp and you're around these these dudes, man. And they're you know they're in the 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 drill instructors or the RDCs. They're in their uniforms. They carry their head high, man. They've accomplished something. They've been places. They've they 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 they, uh, they, they just they just have a have a different just sense about them. So that was one of the things that I needed to do is to put myself around. These people that I never even knew existed, man, and to give me that first spark of, okay, there can be more to this life than just working hard and making money, which was all I, that, which was all that in our culture, which is all that is 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 said. You work, man, you work seventy hours a week. So I needed that, and then I needed those men to call me out. I needed those men to teach me discipline. Like I needed them, I, I had zero discipline. I I needed them to teach me discipline. Discipline is doing, in my mind, it's it's. Learning, learning the process of doing things repeatedly that you don't want to freaking do. But you do it anyways in order to accomplish the mission. What, did I, what else did I need out of the military? I needed a place that I could go where I could make mistakes and be held accountable for them. That's another thing we're missing out here. That's another thing we're missing in, in the construction industry, in, in any industry. You know what, you make a big freaking mistake, man. What's the worst thing that happens? You get you know, they let you go, right? You get fired. Not down because
2: they can't find anybody. Well, yeah.
0: Or or you don't even get fired. But, so so nobody out here really holds anybody accountable. Can you hold yourself accountable? What do you think? I I think that is possible. That's what I'm asking. Is that even possible? Yeah, I, 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 do. I, I, I think it's possible to a certain extent. Um. Now, when I was young, I couldn't hold myself accountable because I didn't even freaking know anything about what accountability was. I, I didn't even, I didn't even have a clue, man. So, yeah, man. That 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 really. Yeah, that time in my life was, that's the best decision I ever made. 100%. Because you know what I would have done if I wouldn't have did that? I would have wasted my 20s and 30s. Would have wasted them. I mean, and, and unless the Lord would have stepped in in some way that I can't foresee. Just the trajectory that I was on, they would have been wasted. And I wouldn't be here talking to you today. That's the honest truth. So, that was my lesson from the race that we ran this week. Yeah. Everything else is just reinforced. Be patient. Be present. Deliberate. All that good stuff. It works. It works, man. It was funny, too, man, because out of that race... I'm not kidding you, man. like there were so many people out there that listened to this podcast and that watch this youtube channel that's cool and and there were and there were a couple of different groups of people out there who who had met up by way of three of Seven project, and our training events. And so that was really, that was the coolest part for me, was seeing the fruits of what we've been doing for the last, daggone, I don't know, what, four or five years? Actually seeing tangible results outside of, you know, uh, uh, something that we are organizing. And... I mean, just dozens and dozens of people I got to talk to out there and, uh, and spend time with, and that was, that was really cool to see everyone come together and, and especially these couple little groups that were out there come together and put the things that we teach into practice. It was funny, man. Because a couple of the guys that I was running with, they, um, as I was running with them, I think they were kind of taken aback that like I was actually a good runner. I, yeah, I, I think they were kind of like taken aback by it, like, because I think, I think that people are so used to being fooled. On social I think people are are starting to catch on to most of what they see on social media it's just a, a ruse it's just a facade right and I made a joke one time when when a couple of guys were talking talking about dude you're, you're like you're move you're a good runner like I'm <laughs> thankful that you're out here I, I, I'm thankful that you're out here with us right now because we're getting to learn some things about about Running, you know, because I kind of switched into instructor mode that last 40 miles, and uh, and I kind of got to put on a little master class for them. And, well, and who didn't
1: think you could run? Well,
0: I mean, that's odd. Uh, yeah, but... but <laughs> I just ba- thought you were a bum? Well, well you know, <laughs> like, yeah, obviously I run, but, you know... He can't really be who who he is on on social media. Like, he can't really be that. I just thought you were going to suck. Yeah, he can't really be that. (laughs) And it was funny. I made the comment one time. I was like, yeah, guys, I appreciate y'all saying that about me. But, yeah, I'm just a social media influencer. That's really all I am. I don't really run, you know. But it was cool to be out there with people (laughs) who never met me before who have just, you know – Listened on the podcast or seen on Instagram or whatever, and just to be able to be real with them, you know, and teach them and pour into them and do what I could, or even just have a conversation and tell them thank you. That was that was cool for me. So. Well, <clears throat>
1: I know you're probably wanting to move on, but I do have a question because it's something I've been thinking about, too, and I don't even know if I can articulate this in a way that makes any sense, as usual. And if I don't, let's just move on. But the lesson that you got from that race, it, it, it almost reminds me of something that I've been thinking, like, sometimes I think we are so goal-oriented, though, that we miss what we're doing right now in the moment which you just got done explaining how much that affects what you're going to be doing later. And, and you know, when you would be achieving these goals or whatever. And I don't know if I can make this make sense, but like sometimes when you just decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do, or this is what I want to do, or this is what's in my future. You, you almost get so fixated on whatever that thing is. That's way out in front that you don't do what you're supposed to do right now. Like it's, I, I guess that's exactly what you're saying, but it seems different because it's like sometimes there's steps you need to be taking now or problems that come at you in the today that you just kind of ignore because you're like, well, that's, I've got, I'm focusing on this. And like, if you never, that's why you always say stay present. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like you have to take care of things as they come or you'll never get to where you're going. And it just makes, it reminds me of like, he didn't, he was just so fixated, I think, probably being on – and not to knock him, but, like, you know, so fixated on, oh, I got to get this done. But he didn't, like, take the time to think, am I even on pace right now?
0: Yeah. Is yeah. what I'm doing right now leading me to the yeah. – the, the... I
1: don't know. It's just interesting. I can't explain it all what I'm thinking, yeah. but that's
0: – Yeah, I see, <clears throat> I see the dynamic. I see the dynamic. And you talked about having a goal, man. And I think that's another part of this. I think that a lot of people who are just going through the motions of life and not, not really considering that what they're doing now is impacting or determining their future, I think a big thing that allows you to slip into that place of you're just going through the motions every day is the fact that you don't have goals. I think there are a ton of people... That are listening to this show right now that don't have a specific goal for themselves in some aspect, physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, in their their, whatever, their personal life, professional life. They don't have any freaking goals.
1: Well, everything you just said pertaining to that lesson is predicated on having a goal. Exactly. Or or predicated on having a vision of what you want
0: your life to be. Exactly. I mean, it's it's entirely dependent on that. You have to have it. You have to have yeah a goal, and you you and, and you have to have multiple goals, right? Well, you if have you to don't. S- how would you fail? Well, that's true.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you that's if, true. If you don't have a vision of this is what I want my life to look like when I'm done or whatever, however you want to word it, well then you're not gonna ever you're never gonna achieve it or you're never you're never gonna fail it either. Yeah, you're just gonna go through the motions your whole life.
0: Yeah, and that would be people. But that most people don't are dissatisfied care. doing that. Yeah most people are. That's one thing I've thought about one day when we have, when we establish our own gym, you are not going to be able to be a gym member at our gym unless you have
2: a specified goal. Well, yeah, I mean. Well, so, so being serious about the goals too, and like you were saying, because, oh, it's okay that that didn't happen or that didn't – you you, you tried your best. Like, really taking it serious. So, you know, I think I could set all these goals. And I've, listen, everything I've, I've done physically uh, all through my lifespan, especially the basic course and the Proving Grounds or whatever, I left some crap on the table, dude, and I know that I did. Mm. Though I was serious-headed there, thinking back, looking back, two days after, a month after, a year after – I know my lazy tail left some stuff on the table. So, are you making a serious go? Like, are you taking it serious? In my mind, that is, there's a block there. Some somehow for some reason, like how to really do that. Mm-hmm. How, you, do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But and and it's not because I feel I've been coddled. I'm around y'all three guys. I know Blake and you very well. Me and Chili had a slight conversation at the proving ground. I know he's going to hold me accountable, not just physical, but at work, and you and Blake both all all through the – if nobody's going to take your goal serious too and they're going to share it with you and they're going to do a 100-mile race or a backpacking trick or an elk hunt or whatever and they're not going to hold you accountable, they're not taking your goal serious either. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's what I've thought about that. That would be when when we do when we are able to to establish our own gym space. It's going to be part of that is you're going to have to actually put write your goal up somewhere where everybody in there can freaking see it, right? And take and taking that goal seriously, I think the first thing that you have to do at, the, at least the first thing that I have to do to take any goal that I set for myself, and I speak kind of specifically toward physical goals, the first thing that I do is I completely take quitting off the table. In other words, once I set that goal for myself, in my mind, there is legitimately no other option. Like there, There is no, I didn't finish, I wasn't able to do it, I didn't train hard enough. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I just got tired of it. Uh, I changed my mind. Nah. Yeah. I just take quitting off the table. And I've talked about that a little bit on the podcast before about how um, when I stand on the start line of a long race like this, it's serious because I feel the whole burden of the race on the start line because I know what I'm about to have to go through. Because I don't leave myself any other options.
1: Well, to me, it's more its more than that even. It's what is your goal based on as well. And for me, the reason you're able to, you take it so serious like you just said is because it's more than just what you want to do. It's more than just, like if, if, you, if, we, if we're checking off the list here and you say, okay, well, do you have a goal? And it's like, yes, I do have a goal. And it's like, well, why do you want that goal? Mm. And it's just because I just want it. It's just what I want. Well, that may be, but, like, if there's no driving reason behind that, then you're still going to fall flat probably. Yeah. And, like, for you, the the goal was you, – you've articulated it many times. It doesn't have to be anybody else's. But it's, it's strong. Your desire is not just because you want to go run the beast of these hundred. It was to support Bean. It was to meet all of the people that – listen to the podcast and look up to you and and keep providing the example for them and for whoever watches you and for whoever your team is and everything else. I mean, that's, that goes way beyond you just want to. Yeah, you're right. It goes way beyond that. You're right. Like I don't, if your goal at the end of your life is to actually live, is to actually die to yourself and, and live right, desire righteousness above your own desires, then then that goal or and whatever other goal you have is not is not just because you want to it, you want to for reasons mm-hmm. that are way beyond yourself that's another part of it that I'm just you're going to have to have that
0: yeah maybe that's hard for some people to understand but I I understand it very very well yeah because actually a lot of my goals are the antithesis of what you would say I would pick if I was just picking it for for purely selfish reasons.
1: Right. It's what you want to do, but it's what you want to do because of a higher reason. Yep. A, a, not just it's just what I want to do. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just telling you that's that's essential no, I for actual long term success. Yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I even I even understand that. I understand that on all levels, on, on, from physical goals to to business goals that we have. It's like, you know, why, why do we want to continue to innovate and add things to what we do as a team in business? Well, it's, it's because, like, it sounds, people may not believe me, but I want to see these guys prosper. That's what that's that is that is what that is what drives me. And as we continue to bring more people on the team here, as we continue like I want to see everyone who is part of this team at 307 project like I want to see everyone prosper financially, physically, spiritually. I want to see them prosper beyond what they could have ever even freaking ima- imagined. And so that that is, on a daily basis, to be honest with you, that's what drives me. In a big, big way, you well, know.
1: And you talk about, you know, why you don't want to, why you want to continue to innovate, and because I, I look at it like, do you think stagnation is even a possible state of existence for a human? Because I don't. I think if you're not progressing in some way, you're regressing. Yeah, I don't even yeah. know that you can even st- like people talk about stagnation. I don't even know that that's real. Yeah. I don't think that's a real
0: e- state of existence it's for a human. It's definitely not real in business. I don't think it's real physically or spiritually either. So if
1: you don't innovate and progress and and work on goals, then you're going to regret Don't just think you'll stay where you're at. Mm-hmm. You'll get worse.
0: Yeah, you will. Yeah, you, you you you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. That's it. <laughs> that's hard to accept for a lot of folks. You got anything to add on any of this, Blake? No. <laughs> oh, weren't I, we supposed I mean, to talk about disbanding the military?
1: Yeah, that's what you said. You just got done talking about how the military was good for you, so wh- why would you want to disband
0: it? Oh, yeah, That's my <laughs> so that's my second policy. When you guys elect me as president... The ultimate solution, oh. Chad Wright for president, we are disbanding the US military. All right. Completely. Okay. Uh <laughs> now, that being said, yes, uh being in the military was was definitely beneficial for me. But here's what we're gonna do. We're disbanding the US military and What's going to happen is every state is going to maintain their own military force. Every state's going to have their own special operations unit. They're going to have their own army. Their own, if they're, if they're a coastal state, they're going to have their own little navy. So every state is going to have their own military. It's going to be like a... Uh, it's going to be like a more like a national guard model. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you're not really di- disbanding the military;
1: you're dividing the military.
0: Well, uh, I mean, it's ultimately disbanding it, and then yeah, re. I'm disbanding the the, the govern the U.S. government, federal, you know, national military and state militaries, and and every state will maintain their own military and also their own militia. And that's oh, the way it's going to work. So yeah, not, we're we're deconsolidating here. Not just uh, so it's not just a
1: militia; it'd be a military too. I mean, it'd be an official government state. Military.
0: Every every state would have a standing army, uh, but it would be small. And but they would also have militia that they could call upon if they needed to supplement the standing army. So is your policy as
1: president, or the rest of your policy, predicated on state sovereignty?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know, this was actually This this was what was advocated for in in the beginning of our nation. Well, it's um, George I, Washington I, was one of the few men who wanted a standing national army.
1: Well, I think I. Th- what about the state sovereignty part of it? I mean, that was a part of it too.
0: That was a part of it too, for but sure. The Problem,
1: I think, became how do you have all these states, like. I think the United States form as as the way it did because of just cooperation. Because what you know, I mean, all these fifty states would not be united anymore, and then they would start to fight with each other.
0: It is it is for our benefit. It is for the the benefit of the states to be united. Yeah, well, and, and and the, the but the, some the, would be and some wouldn't. All all states uh, were were involved in the ratification of the Constitution of the United States. So the Constitution. Yeah. Is what unites the states, right? It's a document that all states have agreed to. So you don't want to get rid of the federal government. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, not totally. Oh, it's just getting down. Not? It's getting down to a skeleton crew. Very skeleton crew. No military. No eight. No three-letter agencies. Yeah. I, literally, I am going to ha- I am going to be so useless as a president that I am just going to be able to hunt and run and do whatever the crap I want to do.
1: Yeah, you're advocating for a decrease in the size and scope of the federal government, which is great. But
2: and returning sovereignty back to the states, don't don't you think each one of those states are going to come up with their own? Well, they've already got them. Yeah, the GBI, the ABI, right? And that's fine. So, do you not think that would empower each one? So now, everywhere you go in the country, you got all of those putting their finger on you throughout the whole country.
0: Each each state can have their own their their own. Branch of the of the justice system and GBI. What, what and, would
1: freedom of mo- what would borders be like? What would crossing borders be like?
2: Well, that's something that I'm gonna have to roll out in one of my <laughs> later policies. and them, Mexico and Canada, and you don't have to worry about the only border you have to worry about is down there at the bottom of Mexico. That's it. I mean, look, I'm just saying, I don't. I, I mean, that'd the- be up to you for,
0: for from a state if you're if you're bordering if you're border. First of all. California. Speaking of California, California would collapse. <laughs> California is being is being propped. propped up by the federal government. So that's that's the thing. People don't understand what returning sovereignty to the states would actually do. It would do tons and tons of good.
1: Well, it would do a lot of things that a lot of the public were not happy with as well. Is just why I'm playing devil's devil's advocate with some of that. I mean. I, I want the federal government to be smaller too, but it, it would cause most of the pub. Po- I mean, well, there are no solutions. Well, correct, but I'm just. There saying are only trade offs. This would, well, yeah, but this would be an unpopular uh, position if you couldn't explain, or if you didn't have a plan to you know maintain borders where you could move. I mean,
0: oh, we could, yeah, we could come up with a plan for that easy. We'll Do an EU model. Yeah, we'd come up with a plan for that easy. <laughs> yeah, that's no issue at all. So. Uh, why am I so? Why first of all, you guys might be wondering, why am I so? At, why am I advocating so heavily for disbanding the U.S. military? Well, one first of all, I don't think that we need them. I think it's just the world's. Poli- we it's become the world's police. The military has become the strong arm of the federal government, uh, and allows the federal government to achieve their agendas globally. We don't freaking need that. We need to worry about what the crap is going on here and not all over the world. And another reason, a more a more recent reason. Have any of you guys heard of the Enlist Act? Enlist Act? Yeah. The
1: that was a recent piece of legislation, right?
0: Yeah, this is a bill. It was passed this is a bill. I don't know if it's been passed yet or not. This is a little bit of an older article here. But essentially what the Enlist Act is doing, if it's passed, it's going to make an allowance for illegal immigrants or criminals. Let's stop calling illegal immigrants illegal immigrants. <laughs> Let's start calling them criminals. People who have broken the law, crossed borders illegally, and freaking became criminals the enlist act is going to allow these criminals to enlist into our military and serve in our military in order to earn their citizenship does anybody realize the problem with that well I mean
1: <laughs> they don't yeah they don't want to let those let those bodies go to waste.
0: So our the one is uh, why they're uh, doing that. Our our mili- for you guys that don't know, our military is is really missing the mark on their recruitment. I wonder why. I wonder why we're missing the mark on recruitment. And so that's what the the the, the politicians advocating for this act are saying. Well, we've got this massive you know, pool of people that we, can pull, that we can pull off of in order to shore up the, the, the ranks, in order to start hitting our, our recruitment goals. So why don't we just allow these criminals who have crossed the border illegally and now are existing in our country, why don't we just allow them to enlist and serve in our military and then give them citizenship? It's, it solves the problem of, of the, the recruitment numbers that we can't seem to hit now. I want you to imagine a situation where this bill gets passed, the Enlist Act, and we have millions of non-citizens serving in the U.S. military. I want you to then imagine a situation where the federal government decides to impose their will upon you and they decide to use their military to do so, and that military that's coming after you is filled with ranks of illegal immigrants who are only serving in the military so that they can earn their citizenship. Now, when those individuals, when those people, when those types of soldiers, when they come against us as Americans... Do you think that they are going to hesitate on the execution of any order that they are given by the U.S. government? Do you think, because at this point, it's not like, oh my gosh, I'm an American and they're asking me to go and fight against Americans. It's no longer that. We will have a military full of people who, are, who, who, if they are chosen to be wielded against the Amer- true American citizens, of course they are going to carry out whatever orders they are given, because guess what's in their mind? Well, if I go through here and kill all these American citizens, what used to belong to them is now going to belong to me. That's why they're doing this. They want to fill this this military with non-citizens so that they can then turn and wield them against true citizens of America. See, they'd have a hard time doing that right now because Americans fundamentally don't like killing other Americans. But when you've got some cat from freaking China or Syria or Guatemala or wherever the crap they came from, who the only reason they're doing their job they're doing is so they can earn citizenship when you've got those people carrying rifles and imposing the will of the federal government against the citizens of America, there will be zero hesitation because they know if they freaking kill you and me and all the rest of us that then they are going to be given what we had. That's why they're doing this. It's freaking dangerous, man. Is no one else concerned about this idea? Well, I mean, that's why the UN,
1: the United Nations, has had a standing military for a long time. And will continue to. And it's continuing to grow. I mean, that's what that's for. I mean, that, that, that military would have would, would be given authority over every country on
0: the, glo- on, on the planet. The, you know, it'd be a, uh, a similar circumstance.
1: Oh, it'd be a worse. I mean, that's the circumstance you're going to see if you see any of them, is the UN stepping in. I mean, it, it, because they can recruit. Yeah. it, it the, the size of that military would be, it, it, it could be anything. It could be whatever they wanted it to be. And um, you'd have a hard time with that. And, uh, yeah, that's that's all. You know, the more global cooperation that that you see unfolding, the more that will be a reality, and it's under the banner of the UN. So that's really where it'll where you'll see it take place, in my opinion.
2: But I think there's multiple scenarios involved with it. The cartels have been recruiting ex military for years, and if you read anything on the cartels or any any of the battles and stuff, when they have an some ex-Marines involved with it or something. They are highly technical and deadly. And a lot of people die when they, when they get into those gunfights. What if the Zetas out of Guatemala send 50,000 Guatemalans up here and get four years military experience? Yeah. What if that happens? Yeah. Then they, they have a trained army in and of themselves. All they got to do is get some of the weapons that come from nowhere. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely another another problem with this Enlist Act. Yeah. I agree 100%. Yeah, dude, I could make all kinds of money. You realize what a cartel would pay me to come down and train their guys? Oh,
2: absolutely. I could name my price. Absolutely. Yep. I, I went to a school. It's called Desert Snow, and it was an interdiction school. And one of the biggest uh, guys that they got was a former Navy SEAL that run drugs all across the West and had been stopped countless times and nobody could pick any cues up on him. You know, they had an interview with him. He finally just got tired of doing it and just gave up like 20 years into it. And uh, they just couldn't pick up on any of the cues. He's hauling guns, money, drugs all across the United States, been pulled over by police for numerous things all across the country. Nobody could ever pick it up bet he made millions of dollars oh absolutely, yeah. yeah,
1: you take me down there. I'll negotiate it for you. look at me,
2: oh yeah, he ain't telling me no, if they look here well you know, how much you got so so my nephew went into the marines, and i'm not- sh- I'm not quite sure how they was there, but he spoke of some some people that was from Africa and some somewhere else that was in boot camp with him, and he he was telling me those dudes were scary because they were they were happy to be there because they were getting fed. He said those drill instructors, anything they did to them did not bother them at all. He mm-hmm. said, you know, a lot of the Americans, not to discredit anything that goes on on Parris Island, some of those guys might be laying in their bunks crying at night, you know, missing home, whatnot. He said those dudes were shark-eyed people. Like you looked at them and it's like they didn't care about nothing. They was happy to be getting fed. And I don't know how – what process they went through to get there if they were actual citizens or whatever. We didn't go in-depth about that. Well,
0: yeah, the U.S. military right now will take on... It's almost like a foreign exchange student type of deal, right? Yeah. So, they'll take on (coughs) members of foreign militaries in countries that we are allied to, right? So, like, in my buds class in my seal training class we had a polish officer well we're we're allied with poland so they will they would send their guys to go through seal training um but we also had multiple officers from saudi arabia wild man and who who freaking knows what these guys were doing with the the training that they're receiving I mean, they know all of our tactics. Who knows what they're freaking doing with it? Yeah, It's just a daggone mess, man. Luckily, the Saudi Arabians didn't last very long. Well, actually, they did. They lasted. The Saudis lasted actually through the whole training pipeline, but they would quit like every other day, but then they would just be back the next day. The same person? Yeah, the same. Yeah, they, they, it's like they weren't allowed to quit. They, they would quit, but then they would just be back. They were in your buds class? Yeah. Okay. Finally, one of them fell off the slide for life and broke his hips and femurs and stuff, and he was gone for good. Freaking turds, man. But, yep, there's, uh, my next piece of policy. Just wanted to put that out for you guys today and if you if you're not concerned about enlisting criminal immigrants into our military then hopefully you're concerned about it now because that could lead us to a terrible terrible situation thank goodness we're all armed thank goodness Blake do we got any questions from YouTube Anything that we need to go over We had a few super chats here I'll read We uh Travis Van S Like usual Dang. Every like time you, Travis. 20 bucks uh dennis long the third gave 10 he said congrats to corn for starting the focus on his body health good work brother chili looks like he could be a homeless wizard and spread a sea of trash with that gold fella in his hand (laughs) thank you dennis justin cummins gave uh 10 bucks great podcast guys manfred comp he's on here again 20 canadian dollars manfred Manfred. carpe diem great message he said Manfred, I'm looking for some Canadian gold steel, man. That maple leaf. Let me know if you got any of those. Eric Logan's in again at ten bucks, like he is every week. Eric, thank you, brother. Gear related, gave four ninety nine. Big fan of the podcast, guys. Thank you, Gear That's Related. Trash. That's what we got. We got no questions from nobody. I don't know. Uh, you know how that is. It's going tech guy, man. You know how you that know, goes. You know, People we hit- on there talking about, uh, yep. Some guy just commented maple syrup. So <laughs> here, you know that's what we got in the chat here. Man, that, that's what Blake, we call a smooth brain.
1: Blake starts really having contempt for the uh, chat after a while, and it's it's really not good. And oh, he also once he hit that ninety minute mark, I see him over there. He starts going. Uh,
0: you know, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder a lot of times about. Um the the YouTube commenters and stuff like I wonder how many of them are actually real people.
1: Uh it's it's
0: not all of them. Yeah, it's not all of them. Let me tell you how this YouTube chat room works. People don't come on here because they're interested in our podcast. There's about 10 that are on here for that. The rest of them just go around YouTube and they look for chat groups to jump in and they start just commenting this random stuff and talking about whatever it is they want to talk about they probably mute the podcast because there's only about 10 people on there that comment in relation to what you're talking about so that's how these chat rooms work they just surf around and they say oh yeah there's one let me jump in there and see what's going on you, you know you know what those the the perfect way to describe those people I I got this term from my buddy Andy for Silla. They are non playable characters. Uh, yeah. NPCs. Yep. They are NPCs. Uh they're like did any of y'all ever play the video game uh Grand what was it? Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. And in the video game there's just like <laughs> these these characters like that are just walking up and down the streets constantly, you know? But they're not they're not part of the scenario. They're just they're just there. NPCs. Yeah. So, all of, like, I don't know, what, like, maybe 60% of people on YouTube are non-playable characters. Like, their existence does not have any bearing on anything whatsoever. They're just, like, maybe they're real flesh and blood human beings, but they're just like bots. So... I'm acknowledging the fact that there are a lot of non-player characters out there, and you, you, if you are that, just go dig a freaking hole somewhere and crawl in it, man. Mix between a smooth
2: brain and a turd. It's a smooth <laughs> turd.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know you're, you know, I don't. I wouldn't call. Well, maybe you, some people would call some of the times that you go out and speak motivational speaking. I think you'd also be good at demotivational speaking. If you go to a crowd of YouTube people and you just tell them, why don't you go dig a hole and die? <laughs> You're a bunch of NPCs that don't mean freaking nothing. Go pound.
0: Literally have no, add no value. That'd be good. <laughs> add zero value to anything. Like, I, I, I can't comprehend these people, man. I, I really cannot comprehend these people. If you were going to take the time to type something into a live chat or to make a comment on anything that you see online, if you're going to do that, like stop and think, am I adding value to this conversation? Is what I'm about to say going to add value? Is it or is it not? And if what you're saying doesn't freaking add value, then the best thing that you can do is go dig a freaking hole (laughs) and crawl in it. Okay?
1: Well, some people they say, "What's well, going to add value to me?" Because all I'm trying to do is make Chad mad, and I just did, so I'm happy. I mean, that's what some people's motivation is. Not a lot of people's motivation is maybe to add value to the conversation. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, the main thing, if if you if I ha- I think if I had to monitor the live chat like Blake does, it would be extremely detrimental to me because I think I would lose hope in humanity. <laughs> And that doesn't need to happen. I still need to be hopeful that most people out there, I still need to imagine that most people out there are not non-playable characters, that they have value to add, that they are intelligent, that they're able to think deeply. You just need to pretend. That they're able to solve problems. Uh, I need to be able to pretend that that is the case. And if if I had to watch that, I would think I would lose hope in humanity. So I can't watch it.
1: Oh man!
0: I know you love it. Oh, but you, you, you. But you've already cast off your hope and humanity.
1: Well, no, no. Who said that? I just love it. I mean, it's hilarious. It's. I mean, you don't find it amusing that there's somebody out there
0: who would comment maple syrup.
1: Yeah, I think that's spelled api-
0: S U R U P. Oh yeah, yeah, like, and that's the. You don't that's, think that's
1: funny? I think that's funny. Oh, yeah. You love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what's. I don't know. I mean, all I know is uh, some people probably just want to bother you.
0: And, uh, like, what? Okay. So what that. is. Dude, you, dude, that come in in maple syrup. What <laughs> is your life like, man? Like. He may have a good please, life. Please tell he me. He might like, be like 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. Please tell me what is your life like that you actually have the. Not even the time, but like, what is going on in your head, dude? Like, what the crap are you, man? Larry Bird said he's a, Larry's always on there, yeah, yeah. He said, Chili's an ex troll, <laughs> <laughs> an ex troll. Chili probably got like 10 YouTube profiles, he's probably the one making half these comments uh-huh. on here while we're sitting here talking.
1: <laughs> ex troll, <clears throat> the heck, man? Come on, Larry. Extra. <laughs> appreciate
0: you, Larry Bird. All right, oh, guys. Funny. Well, hopefully the 10% of you guys that have um, legitimate functioning brains got something out of this podcast. And if you do, I'd appreciate it if you share it with somebody that actually has a legitimately functioning brain and who is not a non-playable character. Share the podcast with those types of people, please, because it helps the, pop- the podcast grow, and it actually – Uh, brings the right people to these conversations, which makes them that much more valuable. So love you guys. I'll catch you. I don't know. I'll catch you sometime. Enough said.